First, I want to remind you that we will return here at 6 o'clock and we will study the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, we will study it uh, as we have been doing for the past couple of years. We'll study it chronologically. And um, <clears throat> uh, in doing that, we are uh, in a wonderful section of the Gospel of Luke right now. And so uh, I, I hope you'll come back tonight for that. I also want to remind you that I will take questions about this sermon. You can text those to me uh, at the number that's on your screen. And uh, you can uh, also write them on a card. Here's the change I want to make this morning. I usually uh, reserve some time at the end to address these questions. And uh, so as, uh, as I reserve that, what is this here? I can't preach with my mouth full. <clears throat> but it, <laughs> it won't be all the way full. But thank you. It, at last resort, I may have to open this. Um, and, and try it. Um, <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, uh, the change I want to make this morning is feel free to interrupt the sermon. At any point in the sermon, text me a question related to what I'm talking about right there. Now that's the stipulation. <laughs> You got to be on point here. And instead of reserving time at the end, I'm going to be pausing at various points, and I'll look down here and see uh, see what uh, what you've come up with, because this may help us uh, raise issues right in the middle of the sermon that uh, that I need to address or clarify. You can also write them on a card. Uh, there's a hand up here. Uh, you, uh, well, I was just going to say, you can write them on a card. I, I wonder, ushers, if you would uh, just keep your eagle eyes uh, out here and just raise your hand and uh, they'll, they'll run it up to me. And we'll try this. And here's the reason I want to do it. It's because we are not here for me to monologue about the scriptures. That's not what this is. A sermon is the Spirit of God delivering His Word to His people. That means there's got to be an element of collaboration in this. And so I want to start to build that with you, and I hope, uh, I hope you're game for this. So uh, again, when that screen changes there, uh, you can find my uh, number to text to on the back page of the bulletin under my name, Matt Raley. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask for your hand to be upon us now as we study your word. We pray that you would um, administer these words from the page into our hearts. We pray that you would give us wisdom. We ask for your spirit to move. And even as we ask that, we know your spirit does move. We pray that not only would you teach us and give us your voice, but that you would make us sensitive to your movement, that you would give us an awareness that you are moving in this room. And so we ask you to do it in Jesus' name and for his sake and God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
multitasking. The dreaded cancer eating away at all of our days. Where you're trying to get something done and you feel an obligation to stay connected with everything else that is going on. And so you're not ever just doing one thing. You're doing about 25 things at once. And so while you're trying to concentrate on paying the bills, your phone goes off and somebody calls and you just, if, if you're old school, you feel obligated to answer. And then you go back to the bills and then you realize, oh, I just got an email, maybe I should see what that is. And then somebody texts you and then, then you realize, you know, I haven't been on Facebook for, I don't know, 45 minutes. <laughs> and it, it just kind of calls to you. So you, you get it out and you start looking at that. And, oh, well, that's interesting. That's offensive. And so you're going through Facebook. And then you put that away and you're back to the bills. And then something else comes up and you chase after that. And that's just at your desk at home. As you drive around, maybe you're multitasking there, too. I hope you're not, but maybe you are. Maybe you're making your phone calls, maybe you're uh, listening to your podcasts or music, whatever it may be. Um, we are a nation trying to get every last bit of productivity out of every single increment of time. And we are terrorized by hours and minutes. They just keep pressing upon us with every task that we have to do. And <clears throat> with all of our multitasking, we're attempting to squeeze every little bit of productivity out of those hours and out of those minutes. And we wonder why we come to the end of the day frazzled, discouraged, disoriented and not maybe feeling like we accomplished very much at all. Multitasking has become a curse word, as well it should. And I'm going to talk with us uh, this morning about another way to think. Because we're asking the question, how does God view my hours and minutes, my weeks, my years, my seasons? How does he view all of this? Uh, does he have any wisdom for what we call time management? Does he have wisdom about the way I use my time that would actually speak to my soul and free me from this slavery to tasks? Does he have anything on this? And we have been finding that yes, he does. The Bible talks about time a lot, but the increments of hours and minutes are too small for the Bible. It talks very little about hours and minutes. It talks a great deal about years. It talks a great deal about lifetimes. And it talks a lot, as we're going to see this morning, about seasons. Longer periods of time than just a week, certainly longer than a day. Blocks of time. 
And the Bible, and therefore God, thinks of time in terms of these larger blocks and presents us with this question, which we're going to talk about this morning. What are you doing with your seasons? Forget about managing your hours and your minutes. Biblical wisdom would say there's no way forward toward peace if you are under the lash of the slave driver, hours and minutes. There's no way forward toward peace with that. Because in that, in that, um, that grind of multitasking, what you find is that you are, are trying to complete so many different things at once that you forget why you're doing any of it. And the scriptures are asking a very simple question, or asking us to evaluate a simple question, why do you do what you do? What's the purpose of all of these tasks? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning in relation to seasons. A season, biblically, is a large block of time. It's maybe several months at a time like the seasons of our calendar year. It may also be several years at a time. It may be blocks of time during a day. But whatever we think about this, if, if we start thinking in terms of seasons, large blocks of time, then we can ask this very basic question, what is this season for? What's the purpose of this block of time. What is this season to be devoted to? The minute we start asking those kinds of questions, hours and minutes can start to make more sense. We're going to look at the ant this morning. Solomon uh, famously says, think like an ant. And so we're going to look at verses 6 through 11, then we're going to look at some of the considerations involved if we start thinking in terms of seasons. And um, then we're going to uh, give some applications uh, spiritually for how we might begin to think about these kinds of things. So let's dive in to Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. The ant. Go to the ant, Oh, sluggard. This is the character we have met over and over again, the sluggard. The guy who is lazy, slow, doesn't like to work, gets tired out easily, and has a problem with longevity, sticking with a task, being consistent at it. And so this character has come up ever since we started studying Proverbs almost a year and a half ago now. And so this passage here is Solomon saying, Oh, sluggard, lazy guy who doesn't like to finish. You're always starting stuff, but you never quite come to the end of a task. You there, go to the ant. Look at the way the ant behaves. Look at how the ant thinks and be like that. So how does the ant think? The ant thinks in terms of seasons. You don't see ants carrying stopwatches. 
counting the seconds. You don't find efficiency experts consulting for ants, telling them how to get more out of their hours and minutes as ants. You don't see any of this. Because ants just don't think this way. Ants think in terms of large blocks of time. Look at this. Go to the ant, O oh sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer. The ant is decisive. The ant is able to make decisions without someone telling the ant what to do. There's no chief, no officer, no ruler. There's nobody standing over a line of ants with a, a big horn blasting out, keep going, you there, head off to the right, go back this way. There's nothing like that happening with ants. Uh, I don't know if ants have ways of talking to each other. I've, I actually didn't do any study on ants this week. That's very negligent of me, very sluggardly of me to do that. But nevertheless, um, if they have a way of communicating, there's nobody managing this and saying, you there, do this. Oh, you over there, down the line, head off that direction. It all just kind of happens because the ants just decide, and they do. Question. Think about the seasons of your life. Let's just even think in terms of summer, fall, winter, and spring. Let's just take that. If no one tells you what to do with your seasons, what do you do with them? Do you do anything with them? Or do you just kind of keep rolling along? Is there a, a pattern to your life that you have set? That you decided without anybody telling you this season is devoted to this? Is there, anything, is, is there that habit in you? That's what Solomon is talking about. He's talking about an inwardly directed person who says, I've got this season coming up here. I've got this block of time. I know exactly what to do with it. I'm going to devote that block of time to this purpose. And I'm going to start working toward that purpose with that block of time. You may reply to this, well, pastor, I never have a problem with anybody telling me, not telling me what to do with my seasons, because I've got about 50 people telling me what to do all the time. I've, everyone I talk to has another idea for what I'm supposed to do with my time. And they're all demanding it, and they're all trying to manipulate me into getting, giving them more of this time. So I don't have this problem of not having any chief, ruler, or officer. I got way too many of them. Think about this. What if, now just work with me here, what if you ignored all those people? What if you said, no, I don't think I'm going to use 
my seasons the way you want me to use them? What if you said, my seasons belong to me and I am going to decide what to do with them? You say, oh, I can't do that. That's not being a good Christian. Good Christians are servants of everybody, and they do. They always do what they're told. And if somebody demands some of your time, you're supposed to give it, and you're supposed to just kind of give yourself away all the time. Now, when we put it that way, it sounds as daft and foolish as it actually is. But that's how we live. We live under this, this burden of guilt that all these other people are the ones who really decide what I do with my time. I told you uh, a story a number of months ago. I think it was when we were studying Proverbs on work. That the, the big realization for me you know, in this area came in high school when I realized that I had a choice. All of this time that I spent in, in, at school from roughly 7.45 in the morning to roughly 3.15 in the afternoon, all of that time, that's a vast amount of time, and I resented every minute, every minute of it. I resented the whole thing. I shouldn't have to be here doing all of this stuff, all of this busy work, all of this the, learning all of these things that I don't want to learn. I've got other things that I want to learn. So I shouldn't have to be here. And then I realized something. As I was uh, in class resenting the fact that about uh, 10 minutes of my time was spent on doing absolutely nothing but listening to the teacher call the roll, I realized that it was still my time. It wasn't the school's time, it wasn't the teacher's time, it was my time. I was choosing to waste it. So I started doing my homework in those 10-minute slow-down gaps where nothing of any purpose was happening. And yes, I made that decision. And yes, there may be someone here saying, you're a bad person, Pastor, for making that decision. You should have been a better student and paid attention during that 10 minutes, even though nothing was happening. And I, I realize that. I accept that that, um, that was naughty of me to do. But something happened to me as I did that. I made the realization that all the time is mine. This is a question of what I do with it. And yes, there is a time when I need to put my stuff away and listen because the teacher has actually begun the class 15 minutes into the class. But at that point, I am going to put the stuff away and I'm going to do what I need to be doing at that point. But that 15 minutes, I'm not going to waste it. That 10 minutes, it is not going to go over the dam of hours and minutes and that spillway of time just rushing out to the sea. I'm going to grab that 10 minutes and I'm going to use it. Question. If no one is telling you what to do with your time, what do you do with it? Veg? Uh, watch TV, 
Listen to the radio? What is it that you do with this time? That's the first question. Go to the ant, consider her ways. She doesn't have any chief, officer, or ruler. So, nevertheless, without being told, she prepares her bread in summer. Listen, opportunity to build a godly life is all around you. The hours and the minutes are there constantly. But you have to decide without being told inwardly, I am going to take this on. This is mine. I'm going to use it. And we'll talk more about how to do that in a moment. Next thing, characteristic of ants. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. There are our seasons. The ant is far-sighted in this sense. The ant is not thinking about three o'clock. The ant is thinking about autumn. The ant is thinking about winter, spring, summer. And the ant says, that season is coming when there's not going to be any food out there. So, this is the season where there is food out there. And so, this season that I'm in right now, I am devoting to preparing my food. So, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. The ant operates in terms of seasons. So, let me ask you this. How far ahead do you look in your planning? Maybe you're saying in response to that, planning? What planning are we talking about? As you plan your day, your week, as you plan your year, how far ahead do you look out? I'm doing really well, Pastor, if I'm, if I'm looking out 24 hours. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's 24 hours of farsightedness. But your farsightedness needs to go further in order to redeem all of those 24-hour periods. Your farsightedness has to go out to next season and ask this question, what do I need to be doing right now in order to set myself up for the next season? Do you think about parenting this way? Let me challenge you that uh, a lot of parents get to a season of their children's life and they're, they're critical of their kids, they're, they're anxious about them because they see they're just kind of stumbling along and then they, they say, well, we've got to get to work on this, whatever this is. Maybe it's work ethic, maybe it's uh, behavior at school, maybe it's... Um, maybe it's spiritual issues, who knows what it is. The way the ant looks at this is basically saying, parents, that was last season's work. Your children's lives have seasons. And there was work last season, but you didn't look ahead to this season. And so now you're behind the eight ball with your kids. Um, 
We've got um, a lot of families with very small children, lots of babies. I would just encourage you, look ahead to the next season. Start working now on the things that you know are coming up and prepare your food in summer and then harvest at the right time. Um, this works. Business, career change, education, it's all the same kind of thing. We have to look ahead to what is required in the next season and that's how we work if you're thinking in terms of seasons. But if, basically, if, if we're going day to day, 24 hours by 24 hours, or if we're going hour to hour, you never get your head up above all the tasks to ask, what are these tasks for? Um, I've been talking a lot about uh, the, uh, the PhD program I did, um, and because uh, I finished it and I'm talking about it because I'm so relieved. That's a season. As I looked at this, I looked at that project and I said, well, this is going to be a whole season of years. And this season of years is going to be a block of time where I'm really devoted to finishing that work amongst all of the other things that I'm doing. But I'm going to shoulder this for this season, and then at the end of the season, we're going to move on. So it, it was a thing where Bridget and I were very deliberate about time commitments and how to use our weeks, how to use our months, how to get into a rhythm to, to pull this PhD work in and devote the time to get it done. And uh, the Lord was faithful and, and gracious to us uh, in that season. Now, here's the thing. Season's over. The work's done. Now what? Well, I'm in the middle of a much shorter season right now. And it's a season that I've devoted to redirecting myself. That work is all done. It was a lot of work. It was exhausting. And now I need to take some time to think through what's next and redirect my heart, redirect my schedule. And I'm, I'm not going to be making any fast decisions about how to do this. You know, what, what are the next goals? What are the next things? This is a season where I am resting and thinking, evaluating, examining, so that when the time does come for me to really redirect, how does ministry at this church look um, in this new season? How does um, writing look in this new season? All of these kinds of things. I'm taking the time to consider those things, and that's what this season is about. You see what this does for me? and it can do it for you too, is now I know what work I'm supposed to be doing because I know what the season is. And I've looked ahead a little bit and I'm able to see that and that helps me orient the work that I do every single day. I would encourage you to think this way. If you know that you're anticipating a career change, and many of you are talking to me about this, that means 
you need to dedicate a season of your life to steering this change and making this change happen. Um, what does it require? What's the education needed? Uh, and I've had conversations this week with people making these kinds of decisions and knowing what season they're in and devoting that time to that work. How am I going to make this career change? If you think in terms of seasons, you're like the ant. And you know what to do in which season you're working. Next characteristic. Um, how long will you lie there, O oh, oh sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Just a little bit, just a couple of days. A couple of days of rest during harvest. How's that going to go? One of the things I learned uh, being pastor uh, in an agricultural community like Orland was just how dominating harvest is. When harvest comes, when the conditions are right to harvest the fruit or to bring in the crop, whatever it may be, there's only one thing. Get it done. Get it done now. Work continuously in this season because this is the harvest. There is not another harvest season this year. This is that season. So pour yourself into that season and bring in the crop. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Let's, you know, I, I know it's October, but let's go to Hawaii. What could happen? It's only just five days. Well, Solomon is saying what happens is that want, missed opportunities, poverty comes upon you like a bandit. It just builds and builds quietly in your life. And it is saying here that the ant does not live this way. The ant is steady. The ant just does daily tasks, and it does them daily, all the time, never stops. There is something that it does every single day according to its priorities, according to the seasons. And it does not stop until the tasks are done. Um, this is a direction to us to say, why are you cocooning? in your house when this season of your life is a set of opportunities that is calling you out into the community to engage and to help your community thrive. Cocooning is a response to too much busyness an overdose of entertainment and activities and inadequate rest. That's what cocooning is. It's we're going to binge watch Netflix for, you know, 12 hours because we're cocooning because we're just too tired. 
Well, the ant says, what is this tired? There's something to do every day. And so we do a little bit every day. And there is no stopping to pull back. It's just the days balance out because we decide what to do with our time. We don't overdose on entertainment. We don't overdose on our favorite activities. We balance out the day and we don't schedule it out right down to the minute. We schedule it out so that in fact every day has a little collection of seasons and we build rest and renewal into each day. So these are some of the considerations in, in view here. Um, there's a wonderful proverb that I was going to use last week, and now I can't remember where it is. Um, it's basically saying, um, if you have the good sense to stop uh, uh, toiling to acquire wealth, if you have enough sense to desist, then your priorities are right. But uh, we've got a society that is addicted to work, addicted to wealth, with no sense of priorities about what those things are actually for. And so we just work and work and work, and then we play and play and play, and there's no rest. We're like addicts. We'll even take more drugs or drink a rock star soda or whatever. What is that? Is it rock, rock juice, or what is that? Energy drinks, that's what it is. Rock star, that's what I thought. We'll drink a rock star to keep going. Why? What you should do is rest. And if you know what season it is, um, then you know when to rest and when not to rest. Here's the, the Proverbs, chapter 23, verse four. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Bye-bye, money. Bye. Because it's flying away. That's what money does. Does it for rich people? Does it for poor people? So if you're blowing yourself out to acquire money and then blowing yourself out for recreation and entertainment, what have you actually accomplished? You have blown yourself out. How's that working? Okay, back to Proverbs chapter 6. What we're really saying is, we understand, from the beginning of this series, there are limits on time. We understand that the way to deal with those limits is to prioritize. And the Bible here is giving us a tool to prioritize with. It's called the season. And so we take a season, a block of time, and we say, this season is for this purpose. And we're going to work it like ants, a little bit every day little bit more every day and slowly we're going to accomplish this a successful season for an ant is just the accumulation of bringing in a few more bits of food today and tomorrow a little bit more a little bit more tomorrow and the successful season is that they hollowed out a place to store it they did the work to bring it in and now they have it 
for the season when the food is not going to be there. This is how to work. It is the way to handle time. It, it calls us to slow down and think in terms of seasons. The number of considerations for this. Um, let me pause here and multitask. I always thought of seasons as a time I am not in control. These are God's periods for me to bear. Now I know I have a choice with what to do with my day, hours, minutes. It's all deliberate by my choices and glory be to God. That's exactly right. All of these, all of these seasons, they're not beyond our control. These seasons are about putting blocks of time out there so that we can decide what is this season for. Hey, this is working. I like this. Okay, good application there. You're talking about ants, and it strikes me that they have fewer concerns than us. I'm not doubting the scripture. I'm asking how that maps in our lives. How should we project seasonal thinking about a handful of concerns into a non-multitasking way of working with time? We certainly waste lots of times with context switching. I like that. I'm in this context, and now Facebook has pulled me into this context, context and I just lost this other one. We certainly waste time with context switching, but I still think there are many things to do during a given day. Are we really talking about prioritization and the redeeming of wasted time to wisely spend time? This part of what we're getting into in this next portion of the sermon. These considerations are really about, okay, how do you, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? How do you cover the ground so that we're not neglecting these things? Um, do the ants have fewer concerns? Uh, I don't know. They might be depressed. Um, they, who knows? I, I can't think like an ant to that degree. But there is something operating there that is, if there were other concerns, if there were distractions, the ant just keeps going. Have you ever tried to distract an ant? Yeah. Because being a born troublemaker, Richard wants to disrupt the ants. And, uh, it's interesting, you can't do it. Put a stick in front of them, what are they going to do? They just go around it or right over it, they just keep right on going. If you, if you put a barrier there, they'll, they'll find a way around that. They're still trooping on to the thing that they have decided without a manager to do. And so uh, we need to become like this. God has called us to be workers who don't stop because barriers are put in our way that, that seem to be large priorities. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Uh, pivot to this question here about how do you deal with competing priorities. We'll talk about that in a moment. If we ask what this season is for, aren't we creating the lengths of our seasons? Great question. And the answer is yes, we are. 
I created, Bridget and I created a season of six years. I've created another season of what may be about nine months of rethinking, recalibrating, resting, all these kinds of things. I created that. There's, there's an, an arbitrariness to that in the sense that I think this is how long it's going to take me to do this. Um, and I'm going to recommend that you divide up your day into seasons. Are New Year's resolutions a worthwhile thing to do? Hmm. I haven't, I haven't found them to be worthwhile. I've only, I've only found seasons to be worthwhile. And, so, and I, don't, I don't actually think in terms of resolution. Okay, I'm going to do this. I think in terms of schedule, operations, when and what, and that's it. Resolutions, force of will, I, I just, I haven't found that it works for me. I just, what am I going to start doing and when am I going to start doing it? And um, I find that keeps me from feeling like a failure um, when I fall off the schedule, which I do. Because if I'm just thinking, what's the priority? When is it? Then I just get back on the schedule. This is not a big problem. It's just get back to work, get back in, in the, the stream of things. Okay, let's pull back in here and talk more about these considerations um, of creating seasons in your life and what to do with them. Saying yes. If you know what season it is in your life, then you know what to say yes to. If you don't know what season it is in your life, you don't know what to say yes to, and you'll say yes to too much. Too much of the wrong kinds of things. And by the end of that season, you will be doing all kinds of stuff, but you won't know why. You won't remember what the purpose of it ever was, because there was no purpose. There was no season. You made no decision. You just made a lot of little decisions to gather up a bunch of tasks. And that's a great way to feel frazzled and feel like a failure. Feel out of control in your life. And God does not want us to feel this way. So, the thing about seasons is, the seasons tell you what to say yes to. Um, so, I divide, let's use this as an illustration, I divide each day into seasons. There's the morning season, the afternoon season, and the evening season. The morning season has a particular purpose for me. It's for study and writing. There's pretty obvious reasons for that. Because I'm freshest for that kind of work in the morning. And so I'm going to devote those hours that really demand concentration and, and longer-term focus. I'm going to devote that season of the day to that work. You're going to find it hard to get me off of that. Now, there are ways. If you die, you can get me off of that, that season. Or if someone in your life passes away, you, it's not like, no, I'm not going to return that call. I don't care if your mother did. It's, this is not what we're talking about. I'm just saying that in the normal flow of things, that's dedicated time. 
And so I give the mornings to that kind of study. Why? Because study requires a block of time, and for me, it's at least two hours, so that I can get into a flow of thought and not leave it. And that means that I can bring you good stuff and not scattered stuff. And it's very important. Afternoon is a different kind of time. I'm not going to have the ability necessarily to concentrate at that level, so I'm going to do other things. And I'm going to go to, to other places where I can be interrupted, where I'm available to anybody who walks in. And I'm, I'm open because the kinds of tasks that I'm doing in the afternoon are the tasks that are interruptible. I don't have to concentrate for two hours to do the PowerPoint for Sunday morning. I, that's not a big deal. I can drop it, I can come back to it. So, if calls piled up in the morning, when do I answer them? Right when I'm trying to translate something out of the Gospel of John? I don't think so. I'm going to return calls in the afternoon because that season of study and writing, that's over, and now we're on to the next season. So what do I say yes to? Depends on the season of the day. Evenings are very important. Evenings, uh, so for me, sometimes evening doesn't start till 9 o'clock because I have things to do to um, be purposeful in my relationships up to that time and really pour into people's lives. Uh, my sons, my wife, people in the congregation, ministry teams. So evening for me might not start until 9 o'clock. And at 9 o'clock, I'm starting to wind down, and I'm saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to produce a lot of stuff. I'm going to just take in things. I'm going to refill. I'm going to recreate um, so that's when I'm doing reading or taking in these kinds of things. In other, all I'm saying is, if your day has seasons, then you know what to say yes to. And if you have to deviate, you know why, and you know what you're needing to accomplish. Um, seasons also tell you what to say no to. We don't say no enough. We just don't. We're too dependent on people's good opinion, so we say yes to them, when we probably know we shouldn't. And we're too dependent on wanting to appear to be a certain kind of person, and so we say yes to all kinds of things that we really should not say yes to. Because it piles on busyness without redeeming the time without uh, really working purposefully. It may be that the most important thing you could take away from this discussion this morning is simply to say, I know what season it is, and here are a list of things that I'm going to start saying no to. Now, pet peeve, what's the first thing that people say no to when they're frazzled and busy? and needing a break, because they haven't been taking any breaks. They have no seasons. They just go, 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 go. What's the first thing they say no to? Thank you. Church. 
Why? Church is actually what you need. Now, I'm, I'm not advocating that we go back to the, the times when every time the church doors were open, everybody had to be there. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. You cannot sustain a spiritual life on one day a week. You cannot con- sustain the spiritual life of your family on two Sundays a month. Can't be done. There's drift in your life that is evident in your schedule when that regularity of saying, this is the day devoted to this work, of being a part of the spiritual community. Um, We're basically living in a society of Christians who have decided that the church is the first thing to go. And I'm here to say that's not going to work well. That's not going to work well for your kids. It's not going to work well for your grandkids. It's not going to work well for you. Because we need each other. This isn't about coming and listening to me. This is about coming and participating in the body of Christ and being refilled with that energy. Um, very important rhythm that needs to be established and defended. Uh, so we're, we're in a situation where because our priorities are out of whack, so often we're saying yes to the wrong things and we're saying no to the wrong things. A lot of things we say no to, we should say yes, and vice versa. Finally, there is later. It's not a binary world, yes or no. There is this thing called later. There's another season. And in that other season, it will be exactly right to address this thing. But it may not be right in this season or at least not right now. Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is a famous passage for a reason. I want you to notice that God's view of time is just right at the forefront of this. You're looking at wisdom about time. For everything, there is a what? Season. That's what we're talking about. There's a block of time for everything. And a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Time to kill and a time to heal. Look, there are seasons in your life, and there are seasons that are beyond our control. There are seasons that we have to adapt to, and there are seasons when we should decide, I will mourn now. I will heal now. Because this is the time of life that I'm in. I didn't choose it, but it's here, and I'm going to do this. And that means I'm going to say yes to the things that promote healing. I am going to say yes to things that help me mourn 
And I am going to say no to the things that take me back to the shallow frivolity of our society's painkillers. I am going to devote this season to what it is for. I am going to express loss. Do you realize how much mental illness is around and abroad in our society because we refuse to mourn. There is no season for mourning today. How are you going to heal if there's no season for mourning? Well, it's very simple. You won't. There's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Is there a season for silence in your life? I hope so. Is there a season to speak up? Do you know when that season is? It's there. Have you, have you designated that? Are you, are you uh, attuned to that? What are we saying here? There's yes, no, and there's later. There is going to come a time when after I am finished mourning, I will resume the things of normal life. I will say yes to those things, but I'm not going to say yes to those things right now. There is a time when I am going to throw myself into work of all kinds, and I am going to do it because that's the season when it will need to be done. But this season, this is the healing season. And so I'm going to say no to some of those things. And I'm going to devote myself to others of these things. Um, some questions here. What about seasons of depression? Very good question. And needs more time, actually, than I can really give it right now. So I'm, there's, there's a lot involved here. There is a time to listen to depression, and there is a time to stop listening to it. And um, how, do you, how do you determine that? I, I think you just get into the habit of saying, What's, what season are we in here? I mean, in, just in my own... Life being uh, uh, somewhat prone to depression myself, I have come more and more to the view that I just I I should not listen to this right now. I should not engage this issue that's on my mind and heart because I'm tired and I'm depressed and I'm not in a good frame of mind to really make any decision about this. So I'll deal with this later. And. Maybe it won't be there later. Maybe it won't seem like as big a thing as it seems right now when I'm tempted to engage it. This is why season thinking is so helpful to me and why I commend it to you. Um, it's, unfortunately, that's all I can say about that for the moment. We've got a couple of other questions here. Um, my grandfather taught, me, taught my dad to work, work, every day, work, every season, work. I was taught my job was to work, work at school. 
boring, too slow, and a lot of useless information. I would turn friends away, but uh, not now, I'm working. Um, I would never do that now. The ant doing tasks that could be too much. Focus now, different decisions. I, I think there's a lot to unpack in there of saying the work, 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 work thing about the ant is not what this is about. If you look closely at that passage, it's about the seasons. There's a time for that, and then there's a time to stop and enjoy what you have done. Um, very good questions. Two applications as we wrap up. In your spiritual life, do you know what season it is with God? Are you attuned to this? What block of time are you in with God, and what is it for? The one way to evaluate that is to ask this question, what does my heart need most right now? What does it need the most? Maybe my heart needs a good swift kick in the rear. Maybe my heart needs healing. Uh, only you can evaluate this. What does your heart need? That's telling you part of what season you're in with God. And that can help you direct what to do with this block of time, with this season of your life. What routine do I need to receive the grace of God that my heart needs? What routine is this that I need? Um, I, it, there's going to be considerations about what you read in the scriptures, how much time and what kind of time you spend praying, what kind of praying you do. Um, and it's, it's also going to involve things like um, what people, what Christians have I prioritized in my life so that I can be renewed and redirected and receive in my heart from them. What are all of these kinds of considerations? I would encourage you to ask this question, what season am I in right now with God? Do I even know what that is? And how can I evaluate what my heart needs in it and how can I direct myself into a routine where every day I'm doing a little bit toward receiving what I need from God. And we'll talk about that more in a moment, but I want to bring the men forward and we're going to take the benevolent offering and keep going with a couple of questions here. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we call upon your name together and we ask that you would... Uh, receive this offering which is meant just to meet people in their practical needs. We pray that you would um, meet them spiritually as we minister to them practically with bills, with uh, uh, financial needs, whatever it may be. We pray that you would use this offering to let people know that they are not alone, that they have support and they have prayer and they have, um, there is a community that has their back. And so we offer this up to you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Okay, uh, while we take that offering, just a couple more questions. God's solution for depression, Isaiah 58, 5 through 14, serving others and observing the Sabbath. 
Um, let me just glance at Isaiah 58, 5 through 14. Um, because I think there is something here about this. Um, Isaiah 58, 5 through 14. This is, to be sure, about um, doing justice, serving others, um, the acceptable fast before the Lord, and uh, keeping the Sabbath. So there is this, this rhythm from the Ten Commandments called for in Isaiah 58 of reestablish this in your life, do these things, involve yourself in, in these things, and observe the Sabbath. Stop and rest uh, observe the ceasing day. Is that all the answer for all depression? Um, probably not. Uh, depression has many different forms, but uh, it may be an answer for what you're facing today. Um, and I do know this, that the first thing depression uh, does is it isolates you from the people around you. And so Isaiah 58 is a, a good antidote to that. So uh, some good thinking there. I wonder how we recognize and decide what season we are in as a community. Praise God, thank you for asking that question. The hardest thing for a church to do is to recognize what season we're in. Um, we are in a season when we need to get ready to grow. And we need to reach out and bring people along with us so that we grow numerically and relationally. We need to make the space for that in our lives. We are not in a season anymore of being very inward focused and trying to rebuild a sense of continuity here. The, the Lord has finished that season. And he's, he's calling us on to a new thing. And this is a big topic. It's obviously something we'll be talking about a lot more. But I would encourage you to think about the church, this town, this region. We need to think of our, our community in terms of seasons as well. So uh, very good thoughts there. Thank you for all those wonderful questions. And it... it enriched uh, this sermon and uh, it enriched me. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we call upon your name together that you would do a work in our lives that gives us a sensitivity to the season you have us in, us as individuals, as families, us as a church, we pray that you would open our eyes to think this way and to make decisions in this way. We thank you for the gift of time. And we acknowledge that there is a limit to this gift. And so we ask you to teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom, as Psalm 90 says. We ask you to do it in your name and for your sake. Amen.